Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I have on the show today a uh, new friend by the name of Scott Nugent. Scott Nugent is a 48-year-old trans man who transitioned at the age of 42. Uh, He's the parent of three daughters, and he's the uh, leader and founder of an organization called Trans Rational Educational Voices. The subtitle of TRE Voices is Stop Childhood Medical Transition. Make trans healthcare safe. Time to start screaming, Scott says. And he does scream a few times on this podcast episode. I just recently came across Scott's work. I was doing some research on the question of whether Christian or whether parents should use the pronouns that their trans identified uh, child or teenager wants them to use. And I've been listening to a, an array of different opinions on that question. And Scott, as a trans man, as a parent, says we should absolutely not use the pronouns of our trans-identified kid because he believes trans kids should not, flat out, should not transition. If an adult, after their brain's fully developed, wants to transition, then fine, I'll support you in that. But I am not going to let a, a kid transition. I'm going to do everything I can to stop that. So Scott is one of many um, adult trans people who I, I've come across that has, that's, that's just really concerned, really. I mean, deeply concerned with some of the stuff going on with trans-identified uh, teenagers. And Scott is a very passionate person, a very honest person, a very colorful person. Scott doesn't have like a, a religious identity, okay? So you'll hear a lot of uh, colorful language. Scott uh, <laughs> says, hey, I know this is a Christian podcast. We were talking offline and and he's like, I just, I can't not swear as I'm telling my viewpoint. And I said, Hey, look, I don't, I don't require non-Christians to act like Christians. So you be you, I'll be me. And we'll have a wonderful conversation. And I think we had a wonderful conversation, but it's a very un politically incorrect, unorthodox kind of conversation. So I hope you're okay with that. And you should be, this is theology in the raw. For those new who are new listening to the show, this is theology in the raw we don't shy away from hard opinions, hard topics, uh, um, or alternative viewpoints. So, um, yeah, that's it is what it is. I <laughs> oh, you're in for a treat. You're in for a challenging uh, episode. If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash theology and support the work that we're doing at Theology Nara. Support the show for as little as five bucks a month. Um, and or please do leave a review and or share this and other episodes that you have found helpful. Thank you so much to those of you who are supporting the show. Really appreciate you uh, keeping this podcast going. So without further ado, let's get to know the one and only, the invigorating uh, Scott Nugent. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I'm here with uh, Scott Nugent, who I have never met. So we've known each other for about 90 seconds, I think, Scott, uh, at least through Skype. We've uh, corresponded through email. We have a couple, I think, mutual uh, friends or acquaintances. So I I came across, uh, Scott, your stuff. It was actually several months ago in a tweet thread. I didn't tell you this through email, um, but it was in response to, I think, something Andrew Sullivan posted. Um, gotcha. I, I think he had a dialogue with a uh, trans woman, I think. 
And it was a really great exchange, really great. I thought it was it was invigorating, forthright, kind. Um, and I think I saw your name come up, and so I started Googling it a little bit. I'm like, whoa, this person seems really fascinating. And then more recently, I watched your videos on parents with trans kids and pronouns and that whole thing, and I thought your your advice was just really helpful. And I'm just really wrestling with that. And I do want to get into that in a second, but why don't we first – have you just tell your story? I, you're probably sick of sharing it, but just so our audience can get to know who you are, where you're coming from. All right. Uh, well, I'm 48. Uh, my name's Scott Nugent. I'm a trans man. Um, I medically transitioned around 42. Uh, during that process, I had uh, eight surgeries. I um, had an infection for over 17 months. I was on 19 rounds of antibiotics, uh, IV antibiotics. Um, and during that time, I, I mean, I read trying to save my own life. Right. Um, and during that process, I, I understood that medical transitioning is, is very, very experimental. Um, I went from ER to ER for doctors to try to uh, figure out what was wrong with me. They either I mean, sincerely didn't know, uh, or didn't want to help me kind of a thing. And, uh, it, it was so bad. And, and I tell people this because I think you can understand this as a parent. I mean, I had letters to my kids until all three of them until they were like 40 years old, mm. like what I would want to say to them at that age uh, kind of a thing. And then they figured out what was wrong with me uh, after I had a I had a pulmonary embolism that induced a stress heart attack. Mm. I had uh, arm reconstruction surgery. Um, I mean, the list can just go on and on and on and on. Uh, during that process, I, I lost everything that I'd ever worked for. I was a, a sales executive. I was always pretty successful. Um, I lost my house, my wife, my car. I mean, I still don't have a car kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, I live in a basement. Um, I mean, I lost absolutely everything. And, and I have to tell you that when a doctor finally figured out what was wrong with me, that was the worst day of my life. Wow. It was the worst because I had lost everything, right? Yeah. I, you know, the doctor finally said, you're going to be okay. And I went, well, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. You know, everything I worked for until I was 46, 47 years old is gone. Wow. Um, so during that process, I kind of flipped on Twitter and I saw what they were doing to children and I had no idea. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is most trans adults don't truly know what's going on in society. They're trying to live their life. A lot of them are in what's called stealth. They don't want to be out. Um, and so they don't know. But the deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper I got into this, I went, this is nuts. I mean, all the investigation I did with, with trying to save my own life uh, and then seeing people having such a hard time with, with conveying that, that problem, um, I talked with a woman by the name of Barbara Kay. She's a journalist. And I said to her very, very uh, openly, I said, why are we doing this to kids? And she said something to me that I'll never forget. It was just a real little, short little thing. She goes, because people like you won't talk. Wow. So I sat on that for about three months and then I, you know, called Barbara up and I said, you ready to see a tornado? Wow. So, so your passion and it, from the, from the little I read on you and watch, it does seem like a passion. Um, us Christians might call it a calling, <laughs> um, is, is really with, I will say trans identified kids and the, and the, and the, um, 
I'm, I'm just trying to be really careful with language, just so you know. So if I hesitate, I'm just trying to find the best word. But maybe the the rush that it seems like they are being put through towards social, medical, hormonal transitioning. Uh, and you're speaking from obviously experience. Would that be a a good way to capture it? Like th- this comes out of your own kind of journey, and then you're seeing kids who can't, right? I mean, can we say that that like a 14, 15, 16 year old kid does not have the prefrontal cortex? <laughs> Like they're not, they're, they're not in a place where they can actually consider all of the pros and cons. Like the whole idea of informed consent is a little bit of an impossibility when you're dealing with a teenager, let, let alone a parent who might be told, Hey, do you want to, do you want an alive son or a dead daughter? Those are your two options. And then they're like, well, gosh, I'd rather have a kid who's alive. Yeah, right. Not. What are you supposed to say to that as a parent? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Let, yeah. let me get back to you on that. Is that an overstatement? Cause I mean, I, I hear that a lot. Is that really as well known as it seems like it is that kind of uh, binary option that parents are being given or? Yeah. And here's the thing. Um, people that m- the majority of people that are saying that believe that. Okay. Um, and so I don't think, th- I think there's very few evil people in the world. I think most people are molded with their life, their personality, their DNA, their, you know, experiences. Um, but there's very few people that go, you know what? I really get off on hurting people. So I, right. and, and that's a problem, right? And so they're trying to convey it as love. That's another problem. Um, but the fact is, and we're talking about facts. The fact is, is that there's only one long-term study done on medically transitioned people. And it was done in Sweden and it was done for 30 years in 1970 to 2003. And here's what they found. And it correlates with all the trans people I know as well. Uh, there is kind of a Christmas uh, present phase, you know, in the beginning, you know, society tells you or the doctor tells you, you know what, this is going to make you fit. And for somebody that doesn't fit, you know, being a lesbian for 43 years, always being on the outside of things, never really fitting into the gay community because, I, you know, I just, you know, so I never fit. So I, a doctor told me, Hey, you know what? Uh, you're probably intersex. We don't, we don't need to do the test. We'll just go ahead and do this. I had a therapist, you know, just kind of push me in that direction. And so I thought, Hey, this is gonna, you know, this is going to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it starts to go on where you start to get on hormones and then you have surgery after surgery. And every time you get to that place where you kind of look left and right and go, well, that didn't fix a fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, there's another step. And then there's another step until you're basically done, which is about seven to 10 years. And then you kind of look left and right again and go, well, I didn't fucking fix the thing. Mm-hmm. And that, at that point, reality comes in. And so when reality comes in and there's no more presents to get, you've opened all your presents and you can sit down and say, look at what I did. Did I need to do it? And did it help? Mm-hmm. And so at seven to 10 years is when transgender people are the most or have the most suicidal ideation. Um, it's not before medically mm. transitioning, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, fortunately, it's not. So we're, we're talking about children who haven't developed seeing around corners and they just can't. It's not that they're unintelligent or they're making bad decisions with the information that they're given, their brain hasn't completely developed yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they're going to start a process that doesn't understand what happens until you get to uh, seven years. Also, those studies about uh, kids being suicidal. I mean, take a look at them. They're short term. They don't follow transgender people. Nobody follow transgender people because after we transition, Mm 
you know, the money's already done. Pharma already has it. I need to be on pharmaceuticals for the rest of my life. Why would anybody want to follow me hmm. uh, or follow people like me? So it's a misconception that kids who have gender dysphoria get better uh, when they medically transition. They do not. Uh, they don't understand what happens with it. And that it certainly doesn't fix suicidal ideation. I don't understand why uh, somebody that has a child that's suicidal you take them to a mental hospital and you drop them off and you say, we're going to work on the suicidal ideation. If you can't handle life now, there's no way in hell you're going to be able to handle it when you medically transition because it is brutal. Hmm. So you are the worst person to medically transition. Does that make sense? So you're saying there's already an unhealthiness, perhaps even other co-occurring Mental health issues. I mean, the studies are pretty clear on that, especially with younger teenagers mm-hmm. today. They're often dealing with two, three, four, five other uh, uh, mental health issues that aren't really being addressed. In fact, yeah. trying to address them sometimes is viewed as conversion therapy. Like, no, if they're trans, they're trans. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare blame this on <laughs> autism or OCD or ADHD yeah. or past trauma or something, um, which I think isn't helpful when we're not, when we're not allowed. And, and I'm not saying every context is like this, but from what I've read and talked to people in, in some contexts, trying to explore those psycho, um, bio psychosocial kind of issues. Like I know Ken Zucker and, and others have advocated for that and he got fired for being a conversion yeah. therapist because he says, I don't know, let's, let's explore some other things that might be going on here. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, but so you, so, and you said something that I've heard other people say anecdotally that, Yes, you go on test. If any human injects high levels of testosterone, you're going to feel amazing for about six months to a year, maybe two years. Um, but I've heard that seven to ten year mark exactly. I've heard a lot of people independently say that same thing. Are you saying that? And is this anecdotal, or does the data confirm this, or both? That seven to ten years after transition, there's a high level of regret, whether they de- maybe they don't detransition, maybe nobody knows there's regret, maybe they don't tell anybody, maybe they do, but you're saying, is that pretty, would you say that's a pretty high number, seven to ten years after transition? Well, you, you can read the study for yourself, and unfortunately, people in, the, in, in activism are not reading. Uh, they're, they're reading headlines. We only have one long-term study, mm-hmm. and that's what it says. Now, with me running a trans organization, talking to hundreds of trans, um, I'm all about truth. I really, really am. And I have met a couple of people who have medically transitioned where it has literally saved their life. I mean, I've got a buck angel, you know, but not very many. And I would say 95% of people, the transition, and this is my own numbers, um, regret some form, if not all. Of medical transition. Then you have the crazies, which are like the 3%. And then you have the 2% that are like, wow, this really did save my life. It really did save my life. And so for something like that, that causes, and here's what other people don't realize, is that medical transitioning has huge, huge, huge medical complications. Huge. Um, it induces 12% higher uh, chance of psychosis with, with girls. It causes bone damage uh, for boys. You, we have 22-year-olds that have the size of heart, lungs the size of a 12-year-old because they paused puberty. Um, we have you know, people that can't have kids. We have, we have kids right now at 22 going, well, listen, uh, I cut my dating pool by 10% or you know, down by 90%. 
I have early onset osteoporosis. I've got heart issues. Uh, my mental health is terrible. I've shortened my life by 12 years. I can't have children. And then on top of this, I was a straight girl. Now I have to live my life as a, as a gay man, looking like a gay man and dealing with this when I really didn't have to. Hmm. So now I'm going to fucking kill myself. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I've dealt with that. And I say in podcasts, that is not coming from me. That was from a suicide letter that I got wow. that this trans woman wrote to his parents and said, why did you let me do this? I was just a kid. Wow. I was, you know. I mean, I've, I've yeah, I've got several friends who are have detransitioned or have some level of regret in their early 20s. I mean, they fit that um, that kind of rapid onset profile where there was a social environment that played some role. They would say a very significant role in, in the tr their trans identity. Chris, let me, can I stop you with that real fast? Yeah. It, I'm, I'm so tired of people shying away from reality. Okay. Preston, that's reality. Here's the fucking reality. We have middle school kids at the time that they want to fit in the most. I mean, you would do anything mm -hmm. at 12 years old. If you don't fit in and somebody says, do this and you fit in, all you have to do is cut off your leg. We would have thousands of kids in emergency rooms with their legs cut off going, I'm going to fit in. I'm going to fit in. Mm -hmm. We have kids that have autism. We have homosexual kids. Uh, we have kids that don't belong, that are quirky. We have gifted kids. We have autistic kids. We have kids that have bad backgrounds. All the people that would like to jump over their life and fit in. We're saying that you can fit in. And we're wondering <laughs> why they're freaking out. Because you're going to take yeah. out basically that, you know, you're not going to fit. You know, if you don't medically transition, you're not going to fit. So we have kids that don't have fully fused brains. They can't see around the corner. They don't know what's coming. But we're going to allow them to do something that helps very few people. But it is about money. Is It's hmm. all it comes down to. There is not a huge influx of love uh, to hmm. trans people. It No, that hasn't happened. Yeah. It, what has happened is that each child that they convince is transgender, it puts into the pharmaceuticals $1.3 million in a lifetime in a time where Netflix is cutting people's throats for trying to get a dollar more a month, $2 more a month. That's a business model, right? So, Everybody wants to know how much money they're going to make a month. Wow. This is the ultimate how much money are we going to make this yeah. month? I, I mean, it is. It's it's crazy. So that that to me that does sound kind of evil there, because because you said earlier like some people mm -hmm. they don't they're not ill intended they're trying to do the right thing this is the only right thing they've been told to do, but what you identified is maybe a deeper source that is a little more sinister. I mean if somebody is like hey I know this is experimental but man we can make a lot of money off this experiment on a kid to me that it's hard for me to say well your motivations are at least good like who who's driving that are these just a these aren't the counselors on the front lines. These are people deep, deep in the, in the machine. Or how, how would you explain? Yeah. That? And again, I, I think that there's even people that are doing that don't really, don't really understand, but I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to take you on a journey here. Okay. And then you tell me at the end of this, if good or bad people would turn this down. There was a study in the UK in 2008 that went from 2008 to 2018 on gender dysphoric kids. The increase of, of kids claiming to be trans 
grew 4,033%. Mm-hmm. And you can find all this stuff on my website, tradevoices.com. It increased by 4,000. Now that alone, I mean, if I was selling something, that alone is a pretty big number, right? Uh, but it's puking. You don't understand the, the relevance of it. So what does 4,033% mean? Here's what it means. If I take that number and, and the population of kids over the UK in that time frame that are claiming to be trans, and I, I superimpose those numbers in Australia, in Europe, in North America, Canada, the United States, not even the whole country, what will our society look like in 20 years? Hmm. In 20 years, 18 to 23% of the population will be trans at $1.3 million per lifetime without surgery. So you tell me Hmm. when society or business, I'm sorry, business said, we're not going to do that. On top of all this money that's coming in, they're placing it behind homosexuality. Now, my belief is that people are born homosexual. I really sincerely believe that there's no conversion therapy that's successful. It very it backfires. Some people find peace in religion and living that life. That's fine. But those attractions don't go away. And that's totally up to them. And I, you know, go for it. But conversion therapy has never helped for homosexuality. Gender dysphoria has an 83 percent rate of kids coming to terms with that. So one is homosexual, which let's say. A 14-year-old girl says that she's a lesbian. And then lo and behold, at 25, she marries a man. What's the significant uh, issue with that other than being kind of embarrassed or, you know what, Mm -hmm. she just kind of went through a process. Then we take a 14-year-old that said that they're trans, and then we look at them at 24, and we go down that list. So we're going to accept transgenderism at a rapid, rapid rate because of love. Mm -hmm. Because if we loved people, we would say, you know what? There are gay people. They deserve the same rights. I might not agree with them, and that's okay. Uh, but it, that is what it is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And I, I, it, I know you haven't read my book, but you're, I've got all these statistics um, that you cited, including the Dine study, the the Dutch study from 2013, and and uh, all those stats. In fact, I have a. Uh, the stat I read was over over five thousand percent of females have increased um, attending gender clinics at Tavistock Center in the last ten to twelve years, and that's similar to any Western country: um, New Zealand, America, Canada, Australia, Finland, and, and many others. So no, I, it's so go, going back because you, I, I appreciate your your not really pushbacks. I think we're on the same page, but you, you didn't appreciate that I was kind of maybe coddling it too much. If I can, you don't, no, no, I see, but, you can't coddle. You can't coddle that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but all your listeners cannot coddle that. But you I, cannot. I, I want to make you it clear. I want to make it clear what you're saying. So yeah. that there, there's this. Let me say possibility that social contagion is playing some role. You're saying it's a no two plus two equals four fact, and we have our head in the sands, and we're not loving people if we don't acknowledge that. Because in some circles I run, I run in many different circles, and some, if you mention social contagion, people get like, "Whoa, I don't know." Like, can you say that? And it's like, ah, that's not. People get really upset about that. You're saying we need to. Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You're saying flat out m- much. Ninety nine percent of what's going on is social contagion. How would you frame? Trans identities and teenagers. Absolutely. And and we're dealing with, and here's the thing is we're dealing with a billion dollar industry. We're dealing with uh, pharmaceuticals like Lupron, 
uh, which, yeah. which is the hormone blocker, right? Right, right. Hormone blocker. Uh, well, this company in 2003 was sued by the U.S. government and deemed a criminal enterprise for you know hiding risks, um, basically lying in publications, that kind of stuff. They paid $874 million to the U.S. government like that, wow. like that. And this is the company that's saying hormone blockers are safe. But if you go deeper, you realize that it's not FDA approved to give to kids with gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. There is no long-term study on what happens to these kids. Lupron has the $10 million, trust me, to run that study. The problem is, is that if they run that study, there's no fucking doctor in the world that would say, I'm going to sign that. And medical transitioning would stop Hmm. like that. Wow. Would absolutely stop like that. And so when you put all that stuff together, as a trans man, as as a you know, a parent that has kids at this age, as somebody that has done this, as somebody that has researched, as somebody that has read suicide notes, as somebody that has talked to hundreds of trans, as somebody that's, you know, running a a trans organization, you cannot not say anything Mm. because these kids need us to adult better. Mm -hmm. And if somebody wants to think that you're a bigot, then fuck them. Because if you're a true Christian, you're going to stand up and say, no, I don't agree with that. And me being a Christian doesn't mean anything. So let's take that out of the conversation and let's talk about the facts. And here are the facts. What would you say? There's, I imagine, a lot of parents and educators listening who are like, I think I agree with everything Scott's saying. But what do I do? I'm in a public school system where I I can't if I if I don't. If I don't do if I don't do anything but affirm this student, I'm fired and probably <laughs> maybe got a lawsuit slapped on me. Our parents saying if I say anything that challenges my 15 year old's perspective, I could lose custody. Like, so what do I? I agree with what you're just saying, but how, how do I? How can I? How can I respond in a way that's going to be helpful? What what advice would you give? Well, them? I understand that, Preston. Here's the here's the deal. We're dealing with a billion dollar industry that has marketed this incredibly. They've marketed it behind uh, homosexuality. They have basically, well, give you an idea, Stonewall, which is the LGBT in the UK. Yeah. Um, in 2008, they were claiming bankruptcy. I mean, they had their pen in their hand. All right, LGBT, no more, Stonewall. Stonewall. Um, they stood behind Mermaids, which is an organization yeah. for so-called trans kids. And within a year, they went from bankruptcy to a 32% year-over-year growth. Why? Uh, because they have a lot of money. So if, if, and I understand people not being at the place that I'm at, I understand that. Well, find an organization, find something, because I've said this and Christians get mad at me when I say this and feminists get mad at me when I say this. I have absolutely no camp, none. And you know what? I never have. So it's like I was built for this. (laughs) Try to find an organization, donate money, Donate time, you know, anonymously. But I mean, last month, I, I mean, I talked to people. I'm sleeping probably like five or six hours a night. I have parents writing me. I have, you know, all these things that people are asking me questions. Where's the study? Where's this? I mean, I have a whole Excel that overcomes objections when somebody says something with facts. Hmm. And uh, last month, I spent 700 bucks on my own money hmm. to, you know, fund trade voices. Well, we're dealing with 
pharma. So if you can't say anything, Mm -hmm. then donate. Mm -hmm. Then call somebody up and go, hey, you know what? I'm going to sit behind uh, you and I'm going to push you out forward. Because the truth is, is that the fastest way to stop this is put trans like me and my trans on Trey Voices in front of the camera. Because what society will figure out rapidly is that the fucking nutsos are a small portion of our community. Hmm. Hmm. Real real quick, because, yeah, so your ministry, uh, Trey Voices, right? What does that stand for? Tell tell people how they can find you. I guess I'll put stuff in the show notes, but just in case people are like, hey, man, (laughs) I could get behind Scott. Would love to push people your way. Uh, Trey Voices is not a ministry. It's uh, Trans Rational Educational Voices. We're run by uh, trans adults like myself, Uh, some out, some not. Uh, we have a new director named Aaron George, who is uh, taking over the Canadian side. Hmm. He's a 50-year-old trans man who's also an RN, a, a mental health RN in Canada, also worked at a gender clinic hmm. um, until he finally went, this is wrong. Wow. Uh, so we have lots of uh, people coming out. The problem is that, you know, what's Twitter? I mean, that's what we talk about. What's Twitter, right? Um, so it's hard to get out there. We're, yeah. we're dealing with a, a big force. So there's, you know, do you, I mean, obviously, you know, some other, I mean, trans adults who share your perspective, just deep oh, concerns. Really? Yeah. If, if I, if I could, if I could publish all the emails that I've gotten and I would never would, of course, um, I think people would be absolutely shocked. Hmm. I do. Hmm. And there's a fine line, right, Preston? I mean, there is a fine line. There are some people that are not comfortable with the shell that they're in. Mm-hmm. That's human nature. How long have women been putting on lipstick? How long have we been, you know, making, you know, that was your fashion choice, your hat backwards, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we have guys getting hair transplants. By the way, I understand that with testosterone losing my hair. I always <laughs> used to laugh at you guys. I fucking get it. That sucks. I'm very <laughs> devastated. Um but we've been changing our looks for a long time, right? Yeah. But at no point has women been running down the road with their shirts off yelling, I was born with these double D perfect breasts. Hmm. I did not pay for them. I am a you know beautiful breasted woman from it's who I am. And I didn't get plastic surgery. These are mine. Mm-hmm. We'd kind of go, well, that, that chick is nuts. <laughs> but trans people are doing that and people are going, yeah, you're right. You were born in the wrong body. No, you were uncomfortable. And that's cool. We've got medical transition that can help you if you want to do that, but it needs to be safe and doctors need to tell you what happens with it. And then you need to make a decision as an adult. It's plastic surgery is all it is. Hmm. Nobody is born trans. You create it with synthetic hormones and surgery. You create, you create, you create. Hmm. Homosexuality, you are, is what I believe. Mm -hmm. You create this. But if you create homosexuality, who benefits from that? Who gets the money from that? You create trans and there's money. So for the first time in our society, a heavenly marginalized group has a huge dollar sign above them. And unfortunately, they're all acting like asses thinking that people care. People don't care. Hmm. People have no more love for trans than they did 20 years ago or people that are different. It's you, you come with something hmm. positive. Hmm. Wow. Gosh. So you, you described your transition. Um, 
it didn't go well to say the least. Um, do you, do you, um, looking back, like, would you have made that decision if you knew now what you did then, or would you say in your individual case, it was better than not transitioning or how do you kind of process your own journey really in, in light of everything you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's kind of, well, I'm, I'm right at that seven to 10 years, right? Okay. Um, along with, with all of that. And, and it's taken me a long time to, to finally be okay with myself. Yeah. Uh, and, and here's the thing I've accepted what I've done. Mm-hmm. Me doing any kind of detransitioning for me. Mm-hmm. Why? So I can look like a trans woman for the rest of my life mm-hmm. and live in another fantasy. And, and we have a lot of Christian people that are pushing detransitioning like it's a, a, a fix. Well, here's the truth. Cause I'm all about truth. The detrans people are not doing well. Mm. Not they, they are not okay. Um, because they think that detransitioning is going to fix all their stuff. At some point, you just kind of got to go, all right, it is what it is. So I've done that at 48. This is my life. This is what I created. This is what I will live with, uh, the good and the bad. Do I regret? Well, why should we even go there? Mm-hmm. It's what's done is done. Okay. All I can do is, is move forward. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. How, can I, and if I ask anything that's like, if it's too personal or whatever, just let me know. I'm just kind of the questions come up in my head. I'm, I'm curious, like with your family life, your kids and everything, because that's pretty late to transition. Your kids are what, and they're in, we're around 10 or so, I think, because they're teenagers now. How did it go with your, how, with your kids? You know, I have a, um, I've got great kids. Hmm. I mean, I do. I have absolutely fantastic kids. I've, always been a parent that has talked to my kids always mm. always 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 um and i and i talk to them a lot about different things me detransitioning me doing anything like that would be also not beneficial okay. for them okay so so my focus at this time in their life is you know no relationship no transitioning my my life right now is my children and activism, so they're doing really well. Okay, cool, awesome, that's great. Well, it's going back to the parents because you again the two videos that I saw of you recently were on it um, counseling parents with trans kids with regard to the pronoun question, and mm-hmm. and you were pretty adamant that parents with younger kids, let's say under eighteen kids, and maybe I'll have you respond to the age kind of whatever, but like should not use. The, their preferred pronouns of, of their trans kids. Can you give us a little snapshot of your reasoning for that? And did I actually represent it? Yeah. Yeah, you did. I, I get, um, I get calls from parents. I, and one thing I never do, I never say no to anybody that that needs help. But the one question that I get over and over and over again is, you know, should I call my kids pronouns? Should I do this? Should I do that? And it takes me back to my background as a sales executive, which is our brains are computers. It only believes what you tell it over and over and over and over again. Eventually, if you look at a white wall and say it's a black wall, it's a black wall, it's a black wall, it's a black wall, and then everybody else that walks by goes, it's a black wall, it's a black wall, it's a black wall. Even though logically it's white, you go, yeah, it's black. (laughs) Um, And so 
it's it's one of the reasons it'll probably piss people off. I don't care, piss people off. Uh, but it's one of the reasons why I feel like like praying works. The praying is basically you're telling your brain mm-hmm. what you need, and then subconsciously it will make that happen. I don't mean to offend. I mean, I'm t- people say that they pray for me all the time. I'm like, go for it, awesome. Um, but <laughs> your brain's a computer, right? So if I looked at you, Preston, at 13 or 14 years old, and I said. Preston, you're a girl, you're a girl, you're a girl, girl, girl. Where's Preston? Where is she? Where's Preston? Preston, come here. Oh, Preston's my daughter. Preston, you're so sweet. Look at how feminine you are with your hat backwards. You look like a fucking lesbian. You know, all this stuff. Um, Pretty soon, you're going to grow up and go, I'm a lesbian. Because that's, that's human nature, right? And then you have society backing up going, Preston, you are just so, so awesome and strong for saying that you're a lesbian and a, and a girl, even though you're not. Wow, that is progressive. Hmm. And we're saying it to all the kids that don't fit autism. I mean, go down the thing. Um, so with pronouns, it's, it's the same thing. So I always had said, and even before I transitioned, I read something that was very significant, which said that people in society call you the pronouns they see and hear. Mm. Asking someone to call you a pronoun that is not what they see and hear is awkward. It's narcissism. It doesn't benefit anybody. It's making everybody that talks to you have to play chess before they say anything to you. Preston, he, uh, Preston, she's a good daughter. And that's not right. So that's the first thing. Second thing is that, again, our brains are computers. So saying that, you're basically solidifying that they're going to grow up and think that they're trans. And the, the thing is, is that the loving thing to do is to tell your child, listen, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let you decide what you want to do as an adult because medical transitioning or being trans is not a choice of mine. I'm your parent. My job right now is to help you see around corners, love the shit out of you and help you and teach you how to do something for a living that you love. It's not making those choices unless you're going to let me decide what career you want, what your sexuality is, uh, how many kids you're going to have, where you're going to live. When you start handing over that stuff, then I'll then I'll decide the the trans thing for you. Hmm. Um, So you're doing a disservice to your child. And I'm very, 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 very honest with this. And I am kind of over the top with this. If you're in a school district that is doing this, if you're around people that are doing this, fucking move. Hmm. You know, move to the woods until your kid's through puberty. And then bring it. And don't do it unloving. Just Hmm. go, you know, when you're old enough, I'll put on my cheerleader outfit right now. Your name's Sarah and I'm calling you Sarah. I'm not calling you Steve. I'm not calling you he. I'm just not. And nobody else is going to around my house. And no school is, or we're leaving. So. Do you, I mean, have you, you, so you work with a lot of parents. So I'm curious if you found this um, very honest approach, like, does it go well? Because I, I can imagine some situations where, man, if a, if a kid feels like their parents don't know what's going on and their friends at school are the only loving ones, and if the parent takes them out of their, social environment. I think I even heard you say, I think in your videos, like if you just cut off like social media, if that's their only quote unquote lifeline or that's how they see it, that's just going to backfire. For a little bit, right? For a little bit, for a little bit. And, and parenting's rough, right? So you're not going to do something because it's going to be rough. 
I had somebody write me an email that was hilarious that said that I'm like the Dr. Phil of, of trans people just <laughs> fucking rolled because I actually have always watched him. He's great with, you know, roughing, smoothing techniques and pulling energy out of people. And yeah, I just think that's totally awesome. But I'm, I'm a commando parent and my kids know this. Okay. I say yes to just about everything. When I say no, I tell them why. And it's because it's a scene around the corner thing. Mm-hmm. They know some pretty harsh rules that I have not very many or limits or boundaries. They go over those. They have a mattress, blanket, five outfits, uh, food, everything else is gone. And you can start earning that stuff back. Right. Hmm. My kids know that. Hmm. So if I tell my kid, I'm not going to call them opposite pronouns and they start freaking out, I'll just ratchet it up, Hmm. you know, ratchet it up until you're in a, you know, you're in a school for girls, being around horses until you're 18, but whatever, but you're not medically transitioning. You're not going to do it. Hmm. So we can keep ratcheting it up or you can just go, Hey, you know what? This is kind of cool. When I'm 18, my parents are going to be put their cheerleader outfit on. I tell parents to bribe kids. I'll pay for all your college. I'll pay for your car. I'll do the insurance. I'll give you money. I'll do this. You just have to wait till you're 25. I, so do it. Go ahead. No, no, well, that, no, that's, that's helpful. I, um, I heard, uh, well, I, I'm not going to say their name, but a mutual friend of ours who you probably know I'm talking about takes very much this similar approach. Uh, they did say like, if, but if like the number one thing is you got to have this kind of trusting, loving relationship with your kid. Like if they don't trust you, if just, if just nothing but animosity and just tension and there's no relationship, then this kind of approach is probably not going to go well. But assuming some sort of foundational relationship you may fight you may whatever but you recover and there is trust there is some kind of relationship there then when you have the kind of tough love it's gonna it's gonna go further but if the relationship is just not there nothing you do and i think this person even recommended like you might want to consider as kind of a last resort concession to use the pronouns just so the relationship isn't just completely severed for life. I, I, and I would do, would you still not agree with that? Would for you, it's a hundred percent never use, even, even if it, you think it, that might redeem the relationship. Well, it's the way that you say it, right? It's, it's the way that you say it. If, if you're my child and I said, Preston, I'm sorry, I'm not calling you. She, you're not transgender. We're not going there. You're not getting testosterone. Now get the fuck to your room. And you got this, you're going to go, well, he's an asshole. I hate him. Or you can say, Preston, honey, listen, there are some people that do benefit from medically transitioned, which is the truth. Mm-hmm. Not very many. And it is a complicated process and it requires a lot of physical and mental things that children are just not ready to understand. It is a scene around the corner thing. So come here, big boy, big girl, I'll give you a big old hug, you little, you know, dyke of a girl or whatever and you know just make it fun i mean it's just i'm i used to be gay so i could say that word uh don't use that word don't use that word. <laughs> um but you know just give him a big hug go i just love the heck out of you and if you medically transition yeah. you know what i mean i i will design the cheerleading outfits i mean i will i'll have the whole house you're going to get your testosterone at 25 like yay Prissy, woo! i'm not gonna do it right now I'm just not. So there's two different ways of, of delivering that. Right. And yeah, I think it's the delivery. Yeah. Okay. I think parents are so concerned um, 
that the way that they're saying it is awkward. I've talked, I used to talk to, to children. I don't anymore because it's not my place, but I've talked to probably a dozen kids about this that parents wanted me to talk to. Every child I talked to desisted in some way, um, pulled off, let off the steam. And it's not because I said anything different than what their parents are saying. Um, I said it differently. Hmm. Well, you also carry a bit of credibility since you're a trans yeah. man. I mean, that's it's one thing for, you know, quote, cisgender people that just don't get it or you don't understand and you're just naive, but you, they can't play that card with you. They can't say you don't understand. Or like, well, I'm the definition of understanding. I mean, I'm... Yeah, right. Um, and there's another reason why you want to get behind transgender people. You, We're trying to get our voice out. The media won't get our voice out. Huh. You know, it's... We, we need to be in front of the camera going, hold the phone. This person over here is... He's fucking nuts. He's not listen to him. We're over here. But we <laughs> yeah, Buck Angel's probably the most well-known one that has gone on Joe Rogan and others and, and has, again, has the credibility saying, look, I'm not saying transitioning doesn't benefit some people, but kids, especially in this day and age, just don't have – it's just not healthy for them to make that decision. What, what, do, you, what do you say about um, – well, going back to the suicide piece, and I know that, you know, it's unfortunate that suicidality is being weaponized in s- certain ways to promote an ideology. But um, what do you do with that kid that is just like I've got friends. So I've got um, I'm two. Well, one in particular who um, tried everything, tried everything, debilitating dysphoria, attempted suicide you know, pursued, you know, prayed, prayed, you know, three, four years did not want to do it. And this was kind of like the last resort. Now this person was what 19 maybe. So not at the age, not 25, but it was kind of a, you know, um, if there ever was kind of a wise way to do this, it seems like that, that was, you know, um, they did everything, you know, you, you would say that those cases exist. They're just in the far minority of kind of the, the popularity that exists today or. Uh, say your question more. Well, just like, you know, somebody's ex- has actually done the hard work of trying to relieve their dysphoria, but it's, it's just so debilitating that they don't know what else to do other than transition. You would say, well, Hey, sure. that exists, but just wait until you're able to make that decision. Well, sure. And, um, I always say uh, to my kids and, and just in life that, that you need to do the work first mm-hmm. and medical transitioning, you need to do the work first. If you go into medically transitioning in a delusional state, if you go into medical transitioning thinking it's going to fix everything about you and make you fit into society, if you go into this heavily suicidal, mentally ill, it's not going to fare well for you. Mm-hmm. These are the, the people that, that commit suicide at seven to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Do the work first. Understand what it is. It's cosmetic. And it does make some people, you know, have a better life. And actually Buck Angel is one of like two that I know that it really helped. He's a great guy. I love him. Yeah. Um, it did help him, but it doesn't help very many people. Do, do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, w- with the parent whose kid is being, maybe they're have an online community, maybe they're the school they're at, like everybody's saying, this is who you are you are trans. And if your parents don't affirm this, then they're toxic and they're just going to increase your suicidality. If a parent is in that, I would say really frustrating kind of situation, what advice do you give to them? Like, is there some things? Well, I'll, they say can it, do? I'll say it again. Yeah. Uh, it's, I guess this is what people call the Dr. Phil of trans. You align with them. 
you acknowledge that there might be a possibility because there might be never lie to your kids. There could be a possibility that that works for you. Um, it's not my decision. You take that away from yourself as your child. That's not my decision. You know, you want to grow up and, and, and be, you know, an adult. That's great. The reason why uh, kids can't make decisions as children is because they can't see the ramifications of it and tell them stories. Mm-hmm. You know, just like I tell, you know, people stories all the time. If a two-year-old is, is around a swimming pool, are you going to let them and doesn't know how to swim? Are you going to leave that baby alone? No, because he's going to jump in the water, right? And drown. He doesn't know. It's not that he's a dumb baby. It's not that, you know, you're around him because you're seen around that pool corner, right? Mm-hmm. And as you grow up, all the, the round corners get, you know, wider and wider and wider and wider and wider. So this is a corner thing that, that you don't understand. Um, and it's also not my decision. And I also pose questions. I would pose questions that are very, 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 very valid. And I would say the work that you need to do is stuff like this. I'm a transgender man. When you take testosterone, does your cholesterol get higher or lower? Does heart disease get higher or lower? You don't know that. You need to know that. Then you also need to know what kind of symptoms would I get for a heart attack? Is it female symptoms? Or is it male symptoms? Mm. How do I know when I'm having a heart attack? We don't know. Mm. So you need to figure out. We need to do studies like that. That's not transphobic Mm -hmm. to say something like that. Then you ask your kids and go, how many years does uh, medical transitioning shave off of a a person's life? 12 years. You need to know that. You need to know that. You need to know that uh, early onset osteoporosis with trans women seems to kick in about 25 years after uh, continued use of not everybody, but a high majority of trans women that are on synthetic hormones for 25, 30 years where, you know, have to use walkers or canes or in wheelchairs because their bones deteriorate. Why? We don't know that. And we don't know that is because everybody knows that the money's already made. Hmm. I, I mean, I have not, I have to take hormones for the rest of my life. So I have to give pharma either estrogen or testosterone. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't give a fuck about me now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no long-term studies that tell us what's going to happen when we take a child and pause their puberty. And also it's a prescription from a company that was deemed a criminal enterprise for lying to people about risks. No, oh my God. it's safe. No, it's not. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's not. And, you know, if you go to the UK, you talk about the UK, if you go to the UK about uh, the Kira Bell case, yeah, it's very, very interesting. And it's very interesting because if you pull it apart, here's what essentially happened. Emotion, 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 emotion. Then the court door room slammed. Then the judge said, OK, show me a study that helped kids who medically transition, help their mental mental health. Because mm. you keep talking about suicide. You don't have any numbers on that, no studies. Uh, but show me that. And they go, well, here's a study that said that it fixed uh, mental illness. And then they flip through the paper. Well, this has been retracted. Do you have another one? <laughs> yeah, this one. Okay. Right. Well, this one's been retracted too and changed. Do you have another one? You don't have any more? Mm. Okay, we're not going to talk about that then. Because the facts are, is that it does not help. Mm-hmm. There's been studies. It doesn't work. Okay, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we talk. Then they start to go, okay, what happens to a child when they take hormone blockers or this or that? And the judge went, anyone? 
Anyone? And then you have, you know, people that want to jump up in the courtroom and go, I don't want my kid to kill him, him. Get that dude out of the courtroom. And then you put all those facts in a bunch and you kind of go, holy shit, what are we doing to kids? And that's what's happening. Wow. So we have here in the United States and in Canada, especially is we have a group of society that has a warm and loving heart that are all the people who listened to, who watched all the coming out stuff with gay people. At 12 years old, you know, I was sitting around all my other friends going, if I ever had a child that was gay, I would accept them. I would love them. I would not do this to my kid. So these are all the parents that are going to the doctors, telling them that they're going to kill themselves when there's nothing to prove that saying that Lupron is safe. There's nothing to prove that. In fact, it's the opposite with studies that they have. It does not help mental illness. It does not help. It does not this, that, but they remember those stories. I don't want to be that parent Mm -hmm. that doesn't accept my child. This is, this is my chance to stand up for the LGBT, uh, mm-hmm. LGBTQ, uh, this is this is my chance. Well, mm. here's the pro- Here's the problem. It took us fifty, hundred years to to get rights as gay people. Whether or not you believe in homosexuality or not, I don't give a shit. I don't care how you believe. I'm not a Christian. You know, Jesus all the way. Love him. Cool <laughs> dude. I mean, his whole philosophy, awesome. Um, <laughs> But I just lost my train of shot. Does that happen when you're almost 50? Well, I'm 45, so it does. It happens to me all the time. So, <laughs> so, um, so I totally lost my train of thought. No, that's fine. There's a lot there. I mean, it's funny because you've kept you keep pointing to big pharma and the money and Kara Bell. Um, my my organization wrote an extensive evaluation of that case and she said the exact same the exact word for word they said kiara why 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 do you think this is going on and she said follow the money it was just flat out you know um kiara is a brave 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 young adult i still she could be my child um and she's actually a very good friend of mine and i can say equivocally that she is the coolest Hmm. lady um i'm afraid for her Huh. Because what do we like more than heroes? We like tearing them down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and man, that that girl, she's awesome. The way she thinks, yeah. uh, she's just a really cool person. Kid, I say, but yeah, I would love to have her on. I, I don't know how to get a hold of her. Maybe I can hit you up offline and maybe an introduction. No, 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 no. I no. Please don't ask me for that. Kira's a friend. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Okay. No. No worries. I get it. I've got lots of people. You know, what's funny is um. Uh, even though I, you know, I come at this, my, my main focus is helping Christian leaders and all that. So I'm kind of in this church world, but in this conversation, a lot of the best voices are outside the church, you know, people that I I won't name here, but, um, a lot of them I want to have on the show, but like, well, you're, you're religious. I'm like, I know, but I'm not really that kind. I'm not the kind of Christian people that like, it doesn't matter. Like if they see us even going on a Christian podcast, they're going to say, see, you're in bed with the religious right, even though I'm not even politically right. <laughs> um, so well, they're so like, no, I'm sorry, I, have, I could talk to you offline, but publicly I just can't be seen with you. I, I get it. I mean, you, they have a much greater... Do you know who Michael Brown is? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He's an evangelical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I read on him. He reached out to me and I read on him and I went, God, what a fucking prick. 
But and I kind of sent him something snotty. And uh, then it was right after my my Newsweek article. Yeah. And then I reread my Newsweek article and went, oh, I'll work with anybody. But Mm. the first, you know, evangelical that reaches out, I slap his hand. Mm. Um, He's become a really good friend. I apologized. We talked. We have great conversations. You know, um, he just goes, well, I just don't believe in homosexuality and this and that and this and that. And I go, well, you're fucked (laughs) and you're wrong. Um, so let's keep moving on to not talking about this, but I I've always been kind of able to, to reach across that. Right. And seeing life, I've never actually really said this publicly, but seeing life as a man and seeing life as a woman Mm -hmm. does something to you. Hmm. It, it shows you the difference in our society and the corners that a lot of people can't see around and the reason why people act a certain way and don't act a certain way. And so it has unlocked doors that most people don't have doors to unlock. And the process has helped me understand. It's helped me understand why men do certain things. And I understand why women do certain things because hormones are powerful. The way that I think and feel is complete. I'm the same person, but it's completely different mm. than uh, than when I was on estrogen. It just is. Um, it's different, and I find myself doing things, and I'm not one to follow in line. Doing things that are kind of like funny male wise. Mm. Uh, that I'm like, God, I used to think that guys were total dicks for doing that, and and here I am doing it. Wow. And so it gave me a little bit of love for that. On top of the whole religious thing. I medically transitioned because of religion. Really? Um, yeah, I was I was married to a, a woman who was a devout Catholic. I mean, over the top Catholic, mm. religious, um, and she did not want to be gay at all. And so she always kind of made it okay in her mind because she thought that had I had a male personality. Even though I, I dressed feminine, I mean, I come from a family of feminine women. I mean, I went through finishing school not once but twice because I failed the first fucking time. So as a businesswoman, I, I knew how to walk in heels. I wore makeup. I was not a butch lesbian. Mm. I was somebody that would walk in and go, oh, that's a nice put together woman. And then I go, sit down, shut up, show me the numbers. And they'd be like, Jesus, that's not what I expected. <laughs> and so my personality has always uh, been the same. And so it was, you know, years of kind of listening to that and going, you know, maybe there is something wrong with me, Hmm. you know? Um, but I also knew that her family hated me. I was the lesbian devil, right? Hmm. I mean, I used to listen to those conversations and hear them about, you know, you're going to burn in hell. You're going to do this. I mean, just pulling her apart at the stakes and how hard that was for her. And I hated her Hmm. family. Every single one. I mean, if I could get them in a padded room and beat the shit out of them, I just I'd pay big money for that. I mean, I hated them, hated them, hated them. Just over the top Christian, this and that and this. And I hated them. Well, I medically transitioned. Well, they didn't know I was the lesbian devil. Hmm. They just thought that Lynette, you know, met a real nice guy. And I went from lesbian devil to straight man saint. And so, of course, I was interjected into her uh, marriage as, as her husband. And I remember the first time I, I, I met them, I walked in big Italian Catholic family, tons of brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews in this tiny little house in college station. And everybody was there to meet me, everybody. 
and on top of it, I had just trained. I mean, it was just, it was, it was so hard. Um, but what I found was over the next couple of years is I loved her family. Mm. I mean, I loved them. That was one of the biggest things for me. Her family was so cool. And I started to understand why people in her family felt the way that they did. Mm. They didn't have the other side of it, but I understood that it wasn't about hate. I understood their position, where they came from. I didn't agree with it, mm -hmm. but I started to say, wait a second. So these are really good people, hmm. really good people. And so it allows me to, when I'm talking to somebody about that kind of stuff, to kind of set back and go, hey, you know what? Their life is is the way that they, their life is because of the situations, because of of what they've been influenced by about their life, this or that. So I give people a lot more room to breathe. It's the mm -hmm. reason why I'm okay with working with Christians, even though I don't believe mm -hmm. the way that they believe. Uh, and it has opened that door significantly mm -hmm. for me, seeing different, different sides uh, to yeah. that. That's awesome, man. I've, I've seen that a lot more recently that, yeah, it does seem, I, I don't know, it's exciting to see um, people who you wouldn't think would be able to sit on the same panel together, have a conversation together, or actually having really honest conversations around a lot of the times around trans related issues or, or other things. Um, I mean, you, you, obviously you have like the, you know, radical, the gender critical fem feminists and then the religious conservatives. And it's like, they look at each other like in what other planet would we be in the same room kind of having this kind of conversation, but there is something beautiful about that in, in a society that's so polarized it, it doesn't just believe other people are wrong. That's human. But to believe the other person is evil for being, holding to the views that they have, that's just, that's a recipe for disaster. And so to see flickers of what you're talking about where people can say, hey, well, I don't know if we line up on everything. And there might be even be some serious disagreements, but you're human. I'm human. I'm learning. You're learning. We're on a journey. We're all trying to do the right thing. You know, um, can we just have a meal and talk through whatever, you know, um, yeah, you don't, you don't have to agree with that. And I absolutely, I absolutely uh, believe that because unequivocally as dramatic as I can be with as much intensity I can to you and your viewers tell you what's coming with these kids that medically transitioned, all the ones that have the comorbidities, you know, mm -hmm. mental illness, autism, you know, gifted, all that kind of stuff. When they hit 22 mm -hmm. and they realize what they've done, we're going to see a suicide epidemic and it's coming. Um, we are allowing pharma to basically step on our children for money mm. and pulling apart this, this, this issue and saving these kids. It's going to happen because all of this is going to come out. It will not sustain. It's just how long it will sustain until it stops. Mm. But to save kids the fastest, we all have to work together. I did an interview with uh, Madeline Kearns at, at the National Review. Yeah, I had her on the podcast and, a couple of years ago. She's great. Yeah. yeah, and she said, "How how how can we end this?" And I said, "Well, you have to have everybody in the room together." And I talked to this about you know the Arkansas woman that ran that bill, uh, Robin Lindenham or whatever, uh, and she gets it and she does this. But you have to you have to have everybody in the room. And I remember telling Madeline, I kind of, you just kind of have to get 10 minutes and go, okay, we got a gay person right there. We got a transgender person right there. We got a D trans right there. We got a fundamentalist Christian asshole. 
No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we got a Christian right there. We've got a Republican right there. We've got a Democrat right there. We've got a liberal right there. We have somebody with two different color eyes. We have somebody with purple hair. We have this person. We have that person. We have this person. Here's our circle. Mm-hmm. We're all here. So let's talk about the truth. And the person leading that discussion needs to be a trans person. Mm, But we have society or different parts, communities trying to pick this up as their own. Uh, You know, in the UK, feminists kind of did that and and they got credit for that. And that's awesome, right? Well, it's starting to backfire a little bit, right? With, with the, the lawsuit and they're trying to kind of redo that thing with, with Kira Bear. So it wasn't really taken care of. It's still going downhill. We still have it rapidly, you know, onset here in the United States and Canada. The only way to do that, because the feminists are awesome, but they're missing a couple of different aspects. So there's a way to overcome that objection. But yeah, that was feminist. But that's not how trans gay people feel. That's not how this. Mm. So if you have a movement that says we're all here, mm-hmm. let's talk about facts. There's no one in their right mind who's going to walk away from a conversation and go, mm-hmm. nope, I still think medically transitioning kids is a good idea. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. My, my battery, for some reason, is getting really low. We could wrap this up in a second. So if it does cut out, that, that's what's going on. But um, w- w- real quick, I'm, I'm curious about the public schools and you know the stories I hear. I'm not, I'm not involved in, in, in the school system, but I've got friends who are, friends who are educators and everything, and the stuff they tell me about how – you know, Christians, we, we used to we used to face the whole thing like, do we send our kids to public schools because they're going to be taught evolution and that God doesn't exist? It's like, well, cool, well, well, of course they're going to be taught that. Like, who cares? You know, it's education. They can be challenged, but it's no longer education. It's just this indoctrination with something that's not biblical, not just not biblical. Of course, it's not going to be biblical, but it's not even scientific. Like, it's so it's yeah. not liberal. It's illiberal. It's hyper left progressive stuff that's held by like 5% of the population. How did this viewpoint it becomes so dominant in the public schools. And what's the hope for that? Like, it's just, it's eerie. I'm like, how did this happen? Like, well, and, and I say this to Michael, um, a lot evangelicals, Christians, uh, when gay people are trying to get rights, uh, were, was at the height of their power, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. What happened at the height of their power? There was a whole bunch of rats that came out yeah. and it basically, they lost their, their steam because, you know, there were a whole bunch of assholes mm-hmm. who kind of popped up. That's yeah. what happens when different places get, get too much power. Okay. Well, the LGBT is there now, right? Um, the LGBT promised parents and society we wouldn't come after their kids. It was about a, a, you know, a soft place to fall. It wasn't about converting anybody. It wasn't about that. It was about you know, rights. But now they're coming after kids. We used to tell the evangelicals, you can't be in our school system, uh, but we're allowing the LGBTQ to be in our school system and saying anything different is going against human love, right? So there, there's that power. The LGBT have lost their way, absolutely unequivocally lost their way. They need new leaders. They're all busy trying to design sexual fetish flags. And they're forgetting the foundation of a human being. It sucks to be gay. You need to have a soft place to fall. It's not a movement. Hmm. And so here's what I say. Don't teach my kids about religion. It's not your place. 
don't teach my kids about sexuality. It's not your place. So religion and the LGBTQ, get the fuck away from my kids. Mm. And parents need to say that dually, mm. not just for gay people. When you say it dually, it gives you validation. Mm. Uh, when you just say, start talking about the LGBT, the first thing that they're going to hit, right? Strategic sales. They're going to hit that you're Christian. We'll take that away. Those two things shouldn't be in our schools. Right. Yeah. And who cares what my kid thinks about their sexuality? They're 12. They're not having sex with anybody. Right. So right. as I say to my kids, that's wonderful. It doesn't mean a fucking thing. Right. You tell me after you start having sex and you just think that you just get it on with this gender or that gender. Then we'll talk about your sexuality. You're 12. Yeah. You're a child. Um, so that's my opinion on that. Scott, I think that's a, that's a great place to end. I, I, I wish I could see my audience face right now. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> I love your, uh, your passion, your colorfulness. Your, and most of all, man, your honesty is so refreshing. So thanks so much. I know you're like, man, going on a Christian podcast, I have no clue what I'm getting myself into. So I really enjoyed our conversation. I we hope didn't you did bring too. up Jesus once. Say something about Jesus. Oh, Come man. And it's your... End with a prayer. Let's go. I'll do it. My audience is like, what's he going to say? Jesus, I, I have a hard time with several branches of modern Christianity. But when I read the Gospels and I see the life of Jesus, I see how he treated people, how he treated the marginalized, how he embodied both grace and truth. It's, to me, the best story of the available options. I'm not a Christian because I like Christianity or Christendom. I'm a Christian because I read the Gospels and I'm like, this is the best that I can see right now. And it's a beautiful story from beginning to end. So I, I really hope and pray that Christians would not just say it and read about it, but would actually embody that grace, truth, uh, life that we see in, in Jesus. So, yeah, awesome. that's my mini sermon. Thanks, but thanks, Scott. Appreciate you. We'd love to continue the relationship in whatever way we can. So. Yeah, best of luck to you. Again, uh, all the info on Scott is in the show notes, so please check out. The and work hey, by the way, yeah. if anybody wants to sponsor, I'm trying to put together a uh, uh, speaking tour of transgender les or transgender people to talk in schools, to talk at communities. I can't do it writing checks for $700 a month. You want to sponsor? You want to be anonymous? You want to do this? I'll work with it. So somebody but, could bring you and some other people in to talk in a whatever setting. I mean, a, a could be could be a church, could be a school, yeah. could be Boy Scouts, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but nobody wants to fund something that people think is anti-trans. I mean, you know, they're trying to kick me off of YouTube, Twitter, you know. So yeah, yeah. you could be anonymous. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Bye. -bye.